In the beginning was the word. Oh, I see. You think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and mollycoddles, huh? It's just religion. You think Jesus is some kind of a sissy, eh? Jesus had guts. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Now, I've got to know Andrew recently through uh, hearing him speak at a couple of pastors' conferences, and he's recently become the uh, manager of WayFM in Launceston, Tasmania. He's also the pastor of uh, Lagana Christian Church and author of many books. He speaks at universities. He preaches all over the place and uh, also runs a ministry training institute, a very, very uh, uh, switched-on guy. Uh, so firstly, mate, welcome to History Makers. Tell me a little bit about your family upbringing and how did you become a Christian? Great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on your program. Well, I was born in Geelong, Victoria, uh, back when Geelong won its only grand final in the 1960s. <laughs> so I grew up in Geelong, and my experience was being dragged along to an Anglican church every Sunday, by my parents, who were uh, avid churchgoers, it meant nothing to me. And it wasn't until I was uh, obliged to do Anglican communion that it got me engaged with the claims of Christ, really for the first time. And I was stunned, Matt. I, I was uh, a, a, my homework was to read the Book of Romans. I read the Book of Romans, and I became convinced that I was a sinner and I needed to be forgiven. And so from that experience of reading through the book of Romans, I became convinced that I was not in right standing with God. I wanted to be. I assumed I was until I read the book of Romans. And it was when I read that that I actually did what the book of Romans instructs me to do. I cried out to God for him to save me from my sin, give me, a, give me another chance. And he did. And my life turned around from age 15 and from there, I've continued to grow my relationship with Christ. Okay, so uh, at the age of 15, you made the commitment, but did everyone notice? What did all your friends and family say? <laughs> yeah, well, for me it was, uh, even though I'd been a churchgoer, and of course people would be aware that just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than you know, going through a, a McDonald's restaurant makes you a hamburger, you know, and being born in a garage doesn't make you a car. Being born in Australia doesn't make you a, a Christian. And so that, for me, was actually quite a change. And I've always been taught, like yourself, and uh, just after I gave my life to Christ, I was uh, picked on at school. And uh, not because I'd given my life to Christ, but someone just picked a fight. I, I grew up in a fairly tough neighbourhood. And a strange thing happened. Instead of my normal instinctive fight back attitude, I actually didn't. And in fact, um, I realized that something had changed in me from that time. And it was shortly after that that I was invited along to uh, a pretty weird kind of church. They, they were actually happy. They were happy to go to church. And they prayed for me to receive even uh, an extra experience uh, in God, which I received, and and my life has been, it, it has been noticeably changing, Matt. So, in answer to your question, yeah, people noticed. And tell me about your early career. What did you do after school? Did you study? Did you work? What, what did you do? Yeah, well, I, I've been an avid tennis player. In fact, I had it in my mind that I would be a professional tennis player. I'm to this day a registered tennis professional. Uh, but God had other ideas in mind. I remember I was playing on a court adjacent to Pat Cash. 
and I, I was having this internal struggle around about the age of 16. I had this incredible sense that I was being called to be a preacher. And none of my family are preachers. I don't come from a family of preachers, but I knew this was the call on my life and that God was calling me to lay down tennis to, to just to give that up. And I was fighting. I, I, I love tennis. And, uh, but I remember I was playing in the Victorian Open uh, one particular year and the racket I had, which was a, a brand new Fisher racket, it just disintegrated in my hand. I, I, I went and got another racket. I went up for a serve and, and I ripped stomach muscles and, and I, I, I continued playing that match. I lost, but I, I realized I think God's trying to tell me something here, that when he calls, he means business. And so my my upbringing uh, was somewhat changed because of that. I thought I was going to go on to professional tennis. I, I ended up working for Kmart for 10 years. I, can, I started theological study uh, when I was around about 20 years of age, and I did that by distance, and I completed my bachelor's degree, I finished up working for Kmart and went and worked for Australia Post for six or seven years uh, as I was pioneering a church, and uh, that was a, a wonderful job. I loved being a posting, and it enabled me to continue my studies as well and pioneer churches. But around about that time, uh, Matt, I was fairly convinced I was going to be a bachelor for the rest of my life. I was just absolutely convinced. Uh, I felt that I had the same gift that the Apostle Paul had, and I don't mean apostleship. I, I really, I really felt God's call on my life was to be single. But one one night, I I, I had this incredible loneliness come on me, and I, I actually thought it was some kind of spiritual oppression. So I actually sought God about it, and nothing changed, and and this deep sense of loneliness wouldn't leave me. So I went on a a, a three day fast. I actually fasted everything food water everything just trying to break this off my life and at the end of the three days nothing happened i i I didn't feel like i'd broken whatever this darkness over my life was and uh, it was a few days after that that i had the most vivid dream i've ever had i dreamt of a girl who had bleached blonde hair she had uh, three or four earrings in one ear and three or four earrings in another ear and kind of girls that I'd grown up with uh, certainly did not look like that. And I saw details of her life, and I, uh, and for those that know me and know how uh, I speak on uh, university campuses and so on about um, what the Bible has to say about marriage and sexuality and so on, this will sound like a bit of a, a problem, because I thought I heard in the dream that her name was Ken. Now, that's a bit of a worry. <laughs> uh, well... I actually, at that time, I went, I went to work at Kmart, and, and the, because the dream was so vivid, I actually shared that dream with other work colleagues, and I told them about, you know, I drew, oh, funny, you know, I dreamt about this bleach blonde haired girl, her name was Ken, ha, ha, ha. Anyway, it was about a month later that I was actually at Deakin University in Geelong, involved with the Overseas Christian Fellowship, and I, I was the only Australian there among a room full of Malaysian uh, students except for an Australian girl who had bleached blonde hair and a number of earrings in each ear. And, I, to, you know, call me a bloke, but I actually didn't notice her that much. <laughs> I was actually prepared to pack my guitar up and leave that, that venue without, you know, saying anything to her or anything, and it, it just didn't even click. But the leader of the movement of the Overseas Christian Fellowship introduced me to this girl before I left, and Matt, I've got to tell you, the first words that came into my head, and I always tell this to young men, 
please, whatever you do, don't say the first thing that comes to your head when you meet a nice girl. But the first thing, mate, that came into my head was, you're the girl of my dreams. <laughs> I mean, how corny is that? But really, she was. I looked at her and I realized, and she said, my name's Kim, and I cannot tell you what a relief <laughs> it was to know <laughs> was Kim and not Ken. Oh, man, what a relief. To this day, it's a relief. Well, anyway, uh, I took uh, Kim out, and uh, she was not a Christian at that point, but but what God was doing in her life was equally interesting, if not more interesting. And so uh, I got to know her, and after nine months of uh, uh, getting to know her, and after about uh, two months, I uh, led her to Christ. She, she came to Christ, gave her life to Jesus, and we were married after we uh, well we, we got engaged nine months after we met and we were, we had a nine month engagement and we were we were married so the story of how I, I came to be married in that period of time was I think a really interesting one as well and so after my time with Australia Post um, I, I pioneered a church in Williamstown in Melbourne and uh, then one night God spoke and said I want you to leave this and I'm sending you to Tasmania. So that's that's kind of what happened, and, and we we literally called a removalist. We packed everything into a container. We arrived in Tasmania unknown, uninvited, unannounced, and within one week we were pastoring a church. And how did you become the pastor of the church? Well, they had heard that we were coming, and I because I was pastoring in Melbourne with at the time the Assemblies of God. There was an, a small Assemblies of God church just outside of Launceston in uh, the place called Lagana, and uh, it was a very small place. Now, what God had spoken to our heart was that I'm going to send you to an insignificant place to do a significant thing. I, I still you know, don't exactly know what that means, but that's, that's kind of what we went on. And that was back in 1995, so we've been there now uh, 16 years. Mm-hmm. And so the... The uh, pastor at that time uh, gave me a call. He said, would you like to come and preach? We're, we arrived. We're t- two days later, we are preaching in the church. And then he said, oh, by the way, I finish up next Sunday. Uh, would you like to be considered to take on this church? Now, it was a very small church. There was only 17 members, and they were meeting in a, a rented hall. And uh, we, we prayed about it, and we felt that this was the leading of God. And so I remember saying to God, if the members take a vote, and it's a 100% vote, I'll know that you're in this. Actually, I felt terrible after I said that, Matt, because I felt that God may be in the 1% majority vote too, you know, so I had to repent of that. But fortunately, it, 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 I must say, it has been the only time that uh, I've pastored the church where there actually was. Well, actually, I wasn't pastoring the church then, but there was a 100% vote. So I, I, I felt even more clearly that God was leading us to this church. This was very clearly for us, the leading of God. And we love our church, and we've been there, and we've seen, um, we, we have seen some significant things happening there by God's grace. So that, that's our story of how we came to be at Lagana. Now, a couple of things. You know, I had a good look at your church website. I'm very impressed. You know, you do a lot of multimedia. You, you've been doing a, a radio uh, preaching program for 12 years now. Um, you know, a good half-hour weekly sermon on the radio. Now, I, I know how much hard work that is. So, you know, firstly, you've got brownie points from me. That's so impressive. Um, you've also got a ministry training centre. What, what's it called and what, what yeah. do you do? Yeah, so we, we have ICI Theological College. ICI stands for International Correspondence Institute, and it's it's because our college is represented in countries perhaps behind the Iron Curtain, in Islamic countries, so Crescent countries, 
that we have a, a kind of a nebulous name, ICI College, but really uh, we are a, a distance education college that is training people who are either in ministry already. Uh, ICI Theological College specialises in training people who don't want to have to leave their church or leave their job. And we offer certificates, diplomas through to degrees. So I'm actively involved with that. My wife is the administrator of that, so she works full time as the administrator. And we are looking after students all around Australia and providing them with a theological education that has the highest international accreditation. We're accredited with the DETC, which is the world's highest distance education training council uh, accreditation available. So that's so that's what we do. So yeah, I pastor the church and I pass. I also lead the the Bible college as well. Okay, now I can't keep up, but how many books have you written out to? <laughs> uh, it's it's just over a dozen, I think. So most of them are available as an as an ebook, which is I love technology, as you know, and. Um, so um, I've, I've written books in, involved in you know sexuality and relationships, and uh, particularly of late, I've been getting involved in some of the more what we might call apologetic areas. That doesn't mean how to apologise and say sorry. It, it's giving a defence of what we believe. So uh, one of the the books that was recently used by Government High School was my book Five Proofs for the Existence of God. And so um, those those books are, have, uh, are freely available. Some of them we give away off the website, and uh, others have a very small charge. And so people are able just to download those off the website. Now I heard you speak recently on uh, same sex marriage mm-hmm. at a pastors' conference, and I was so impressed. Uh, you actually go into universities mm-hmm. and speak on this topic. Mm-hmm. I imagine it was, pro- it was probably a hostile crowd. Mm-hmm. So what do you say when you go in and speak on universities mm-hmm. on this topic? Mm-hmm. Well, I think as Christians, Matt, we need to learn how to engage with the culture. We need to learn how to speak in a way that is not only true and correct, but we need to be able to package it in a way that's not caustic and, and offensive and abrasive. This is what I call getting the style-substance balance right. You know, Sometimes our substance is brilliant but our style is terrible. And so going into these uh, places, it can be quite intimidating. In fact, the last uh, occasion where I spoke at a university, there were literally placard waivers before I came in. And you always know you're in for a heated meeting. And in fact, it did. It got very heated. But what we're able to do is, is to be able to present our case. And one of the things I appeal for is tolerance. It's, it's a rather ironic thing that the people that are accusing us as, in the Christian community of being intolerant actually cannot tolerate our views. And so I just point that out and I just ask for a fair hearing and I, and I give some reasons. And uh, when, when people say to us, why do you think same-sex marriage is wrong? I think as Christians, we all too often just go, well, the Bible says so. Well, how do you know the Bible has anything to do with this? Because God said so. How do you know God said so? Because the Bible said God said so. And that's, that's called circular reasoning. And as Christians, we all too often do that. And we sound silly, Matt, in the public arena when we do that. So what we try and do is, is, get, to peop- is get people to think more broadly about some of these issues. We actually think that the same-sex marriage debate at the moment is actually not about marriage. It's actually, it's, it's really, there is something at the heart of this and it's about respect and acceptance and it's about uh, feeling like a, a worthwhile human being. Now, I totally get that. I really understand that. And what I want to do is help people to, to actually, okay, let's talk about that. Please don't make marriage the, you know, the political football in this because marriage actually is something in the same way that a circle is a circle. And, and if, 
if a whole bunch of squares said, well, that's not fair, we want to be called a circle. And they could even pass legislation saying, okay, you are all now circles. But everyone would still know they're squares. In other words, marriage is something. It, it actually is the union of a man and a woman voluntarily entered into for life to the exclusion of all others. That's actually not a definition. That's a description. That is actually what it is. If you were trying to explain to somebody what an orange is, the best thing you could do would be to hold up an orange and go, that's it right there. And what is a marriage? It it, it is that. It is the union of a man and a woman uh, voluntarily entered into for life to the exclusion of all others. And currently in Australia, there's actually about five provisions that have to be satisfied in order for a couple to marry. Marrying someone of the opposite gender is just one of those. And if you remove that because you think it's discriminatory, what about the other four? The other four, one of them says you have to be of a certain age. Do we want four-year-olds indiscriminately marrying? I don't think so. Do we want people who are already married to take multiple spouses? I don't think so. I think we can demonstrate that that's actually not good for anybody. Uh, and and there are there are other provisions within the act. Like firstly, you have to marry a human being. That's a you could say, you know, why can't I marry my car, my dog, my football team? So there are there's there's good reasons why marriage is defined as something. The moment you define marriage as something or anything, you're actually not only saying what it is, you're also by default saying what it isn't. And sometimes we as Christians are very quick to say what it isn't. And we're not so quick to say what it is. And we end up sounding really negative and we sound spiteful and petty. And I think people on the other side of the debate have really pitched us that way. And so, yep, going into universities and so on to present this, uh, you're labelled. You are labelled as a bigot, as a homophobe, as intolerant and all the rest of it. And generally what I do is I just appeal to people and say, well, let's, let's just agree that I am all that. Let's just put that aside. Now I want you to respond to my arguments. And my arguments are that marriage actually is something, and it's something for good reason. What you're proposing, two people of the same gender, that may be a relationship, but you cannot call it marriage because it is not marriage. In the same way that if you held up an apple and said that's an orange, everyone would know you, you, know, you obviously didn't have a, a real firm grip on reality. Marriage is something. So, yeah, it, it is hostile. It can be intimidating, and people can um, make their anger, uh, as happened at the last time I did this, very public, and it, it gets uncomfortable. But so, I think someone's got to do it, Matt. Well, mate, lucky you're a big, strong tennis player. You can, you can handle getting stuff served up at you. We've got to wrap up in a moment, but, you know, I've got two more things. So, firstly, um, the most important thing I always ask in interviews is, what is the gospel? If there are people listening uh, to this thinking, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Mm. This guy had a conversion to Christ. He knows the Bible. He you know, believes passionately mm. uh, that, that God created him and loves him. Uh, if people are listening and they aren't Christians and they might want to become a Christian, mm-hmm. how would they do that? Would, would you speak to them? Oh, look, love to. This is the reason why I'm on the planet. It, what is the gospel? I love J.I. Packer's answer. He says it's three words. God saves sinners. God saves sinners not the star wars force not yourself not santa claus god and it starts there and i love that definition god saves sinners it starts with god who he is why he is the fact of god and saves 
that, that word saves. We all we need saving. We are people who have a, an innate sense that there is something wrong with the world and there's something wrong with our place in the world. We know things aren't right and there is this built-in sense of that. And God saves sinners. We need saving. That makes God a saviour. We need to be saved. And by acknowledging that, which is the final word, God saves Sinners. Sinners is not a real popular word these days, Matt. It's not, not going to win you any kudos in the, the marketplace if you start calling people sinners. But the reality is when you acknowledge your real condition, that you're a sinner, and you, and you can join the other two words to that sentence, God saves sinners. You know, Because a lot of people have a concept that God is up there ready to pounce on sinners or pulverize sinners. Uh, some people have, uh, there's an amazing trend at the moment that, that thinks that God doesn't care about sinners' sin. And there's a, an indifference, it's called universalism. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, everybody got saved anyway. But that, but that can't be right, because God doesn't override people's choices and, and their, their what we might call free will decisions. God saves sinners. God initiates, he does it, but we have to acknowledge that we're sinners and that we need to be saved. So what is the gospel? God saves sinners. And if someone knows that they don't have peace with God, then I would just encourage them to pray a prayer. And, and for them, their prayer might be what I call a minus five prayer. That At minus five, you, you may not even know if there is a God. And for you, it, your prayer might be, God, if you're real, prove yourself to me. That could be a really good place to start. Somebody may have already prayed that prayer and they've become convinced there is a God. For them, it might be a minus four prayer. God, what do I have to do in order to be right with you? And for them, they might get a, a, an acknowledgement that, Jesus is the answer. This is God's answer to the question, how can I be saved from my sin? And they, what I call minus three. And for them, it's, it's the, the prayer might be, how can I receive Jesus? And, and we come all the way up to minus one, which is Jesus, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and you're the only saviour and you're the only one who can save me. Will you please save my soul? And when you pray a prayer like that from your heart, if that's where you are, what I call minus one, you come to zero. In other words, it's it's the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning. And from there, the gospel also encourages us that God saves sinners, but then God uses people to save sinners, and the journey begins. So that's, Matt, my answer to the question, what is the gospel? Oh, that is such a great explanation. I just love you. You're very well reasoned in your message, but it's not just intellectual. It's, it's heart as well, which is just so good to hear. Um, all right, mate. Well, if people want to get a hold of uh, your free ebooks or any of your other books, if people want to get in contact with you, what's the best website for them to go to? Yeah, Finding Truth Matters, one word, findingtruthmatters.org will get them to most of our resources. We have uh, several hundred MP3s that are available for free download. We have free ebooks that are available there. If people are particularly interested in some of the fields that I write in relation to Bible prophecy and so on, they can get that from andrewcorbett.net, one word, andrewcorbett with a double T, dot net, and they can see uh, some of my ebooks there, the most embarrassing book in the Bible, which is my commentary on the book of Revelation. My most, it's another book, uh, The Most Embarrassing Verse in the Bible, which is my commentary on Matthew 24. It, they, they can find that for less than a cup of Starbucks coffee available off that website. All right, mate. I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Thanks so much for joining us on History Makers today. You know, the vision of History Makers is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ through conversation to the nations of the world. We're now on over 58 radio stations around Australia and Pacific nations, and we're so excited about the opportunity we have to broadcast the good news on the airwaves. If you would like to make a donation, please go to our website, historymakersradio.com. 
there you can also download interviews. We've got some great web links and some great information for you about following Jesus. So please go to historymakersradio.com. I'm Matt Prater. God bless. Go and make history. History Makers.